This week in Skullface Records. Now here's your host, President and CEO of Skullface Records, Nick Hines. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Please, everyone sit down, sit down. Ladies in the back, please put the shirts back on. Maybe later on you can take them back off, but right now, come on. And now for everyone around the world listening to Skullface Records Radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's time. It's time. It's time for the show. Normally that bitch-ass Nick Himes in the studio. You guys came in here last night dirtying up my floor, lying out your teeth talking about how he's all this and all that. He sings out of tune, he can't play guitar, and his, his fucking forehead's like a seven head. I see it, you wear the headbands all the time, Mr. Yeah, it's gone, ain't it, bitch-ass Nick? I'm hosting tonight El Nastiest. This is This Week in Skullface Records Radio. This is the top ten. Number ten's even got the bitch-ass Nick. Pines. Fuck him. And it. Song's called Next to Nothing. It sucks. It's titled Graveyard. Skullface. Suck ass re- records. Fucking shit bullshit. Fuck this. What the actual fuck is happening right now? Skullface records ready. Number 10. Stop the 
much is rearranged And hope to grow for fear of changes But the hell in my head becomes deranged I don't work for you, I don't work for anybody in here I'm my own independent contractor and I'm here for one reason and one reason only. Uh-oh. And that's to announce this week in Skullface number nine. Do you understand me? Don't talk back. Swamped and ashy. Yishan is most. Now I don't. Skullface Records Radio. I'm getting the fuck out of this dump-ass fucking bullshit. Can someone please explain to DJ Slim what the fuck is going on?
Yo. Helga, thank you for having me in. Thank you. Yeah, so, you're welcome. I see you have two assholes coming here first, though. I know them, the assholes. Yeah. <laughs> How you been? I've been good, man. How you been? I've been, I've been better. I've been better. I've been better. But I'm here, so I'm happy. Hey! I hear you do, uh, you do a top ten show, huh? No, top ten. Yeah, we're doing a top ten show. I think you're going to announce number eight, aren't you? Number eight. Number eight is by a guy that I heard he plays bass better than that flea. Wow. He plays bass better than that flea. Wow, that's a hell of a compliment. The Red Anxieties. So on fire, number eight. Skullface Records Radio. Hey! Number eight.
you're talking about, Sloan. What? I didn't know. Okay, I didn't dress up as nothing. <laughs> I've been hungover since last night. I appreciate everybody that came out tonight, man. But who was those guys? I didn't say they could come in. They didn't. They didn't make an appointment. Oh man! So they probably need to leave. Yeah, Let's, we better check the back. I hope they didn't steal the tequila. <laughs> What's been going on tonight? Oh man, tired, aren't you? Yeah, I'm dog ass tired, dude. I got like, I got maybe four hours of sleep. Woo woo! It's more than me, baby, baby. <laughs> and and. Uh, then I turned right back around, got up, went to work eight mm. hours. Yeah, and then come that back money. here and got a show on you got YouTube. Got it in, baby, baby. And uh, signed us up for Spotify. So Skullface Records Radio is now on Spotify, y'all. Hey, 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 ba ba da ba da da. Go check it out, Facebook. can listen to us while you drive easily uh-huh. than you could before. Yep. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yep. That's oh, cool, exactly man. the whole reason we did it. So, like, while people are on the go, they can pull mm-hmm. up Spotify and listen to our shows. Yeah, yeah, man. Shout out to Terry. Terry's uh, checking us out. What's up, dude? Terry. He's hanging out, man. What's well, happening, checking brother? Checking out the live feed while we do This Week in Skullface for October 3rd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a pretty cool countdown, man. There's a lot of old ones, a lot of new ones coming in, man. Yeah. Um, um. The right anxieties kind of got kicked out last week. It was, I mean, last week was basically the, David's fucking countdown. <laughs> it should have been called David's top 10. <laughs> Wasn't he like four to one or something? Dude, he had all of the top four basically because one of them was a um, psychotic Marvel. Yeah. And then the other three was his solo project. So <laughs> he was just kicking all kinds of ass. Um, This next one, man, coming in at number seven um, is really exciting, man. He's going to be coming down um, at the end of October for a really awesome ass reason. And he's also going to be live in the studio. We're going to get some live feed uh, from <laughs> as he comes in and celebrates the Halloween celebration that we all going to do here at Skullface Records Radio. Um, this Who? next uh, <laughs> Who? Man, this is the left hand path. Number seven.
so fucking much. Some of these songs got kicked out. Like I said, last week he was already in the top 10. As I'm reviewing, I didn't even know. Did they come in here and announce songs or some shit? Yeah, they so, did. Oh, gotcha. That's the reason I started on 7. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, looking back, though, The Right Anxiety's already been on here once, correct? Yep. So this is the second time The Right Anxiety's made it. And this week, the last seven days, the most views on YouTube is what we go by, guys. You guys are listening to This Week in Skullface, the top 10 for mm-hmm. October 3rd. Back seven days, motherfuckers. Yep. And uh, this is the second song by The Right Anxieties. This one's Righteous Crowd coming in at number six. Skullface Records Radio. Number six. Said you away. 
came in here and hung out got the place fucking looking straight we got a big week ahead of us man um guess what's going on tomorrow slim what's going on tomorrow tomorrow man? we have two outstanding fucking things taking place in the studio brother mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. okay what we got first we have the right anxiety is going to come in live in the studio and going to start the recording of his first song he's ever recorded right here at the studio oh yes he's, he's going to be completely he already has three songs he's going to be recording the last two live, live here in the studio with us um cool. so we're going to be able to experience and that starts tomorrow cool also, we are doing a live interview and p- uh, partial performance, possibly, with uh, Doug Smith. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, from When Hearts Fail. Yeah, And dude. other awesome projects that we've played here at the uh, on Skullface Records Radio. We're excited to have him in the studio as well. What's going to be fucking crazy? Mm-hmm. Dude, he's just as good as bass as David is. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could... Plug both off, of them like a base the, off? Yeah. You think they'd get like, mad, like steam start coming out of there? Like, I, I don't know, dude, but it might be interesting. Man, best thing since wrestling. You could you could plug them into the Marshall amp over there. Hey, it would be dope, dude. It'd be pretty fun, man, but I'm, I'm excited about Monday, Monday, Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, this next band, dude, uh, what happened is two weeks ago, um, our good buddy Dan Bowen, shout out to Dan Bowen, um, he did an awesome thing. He had to cancel one week, and that's how this next song came to fruition but shit he came the next week and brought the heat didn't he yeah he did jesus he came in he recorded two tracks mm-hmm. we recorded like four or five live tracks that we just kind of freestyled while we were in the studio man just making the memories with him you know what i'm saying right and just hanging out and just getting to know each other real well which was real 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 fun me and him did a duet of lake of fire yeah it was awesome by nirvana mm-hmm. it was great it was he great. started playing it and i was like she and I for real? Him. He's like, I know this. <laughs> I was like, I know this song. I know this shit. Where the bad folks go when they die, they don't go to heaven where the angels fly. Go to lake of fire and fry. Fire and fry. Is that what it says? Yeah. Like, what's go that to mean? Lake what's fire of... and fry? Like, like, fried, like fried food? No, he's talking about like they're just going to crisp fry? up. Oh, they're just going to fry. Yeah, they're to, frying. And the, and the fire to fry. The fire is cooking them. Ooh. So it's frying them. Mm, that's making me hungry. Go to a lake of fire and I want a fry. lake of chicken. And then see him again on the 4th of July. <laughs> that's cool, man. Uh, but not as cool as this next band, Fuck Nirvana. Um, <laughs> this is number five. These guys are called the Psychotic Marvels. The <laughs> song's called Blame. Skullface Records Radio. Number you have to hear
the psychotic marvels. <laughs> um, so for the I got, I'm gonna do a. It's it's three of the same performers, correct? Yeah. Tomundo. This is the second time this has ever happened that one performer released enough music or got enough attention to have three spots back to back to back, and it's in the top of the countdown again. So can we call this a triple shot? Well, it's a triple shot, but I want to give a single shout out to the last uh, one that's going to be played, the number two. It's going to be the number two because we're going to listen to the number four, the number three, and the number two on this weekend's Skull Face Top Ten. Um, that will be the triple shot, but a huge shout out to what comes in number two, which is the Sin City performance of Anonymous. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, he said he told me yesterday, um, Anonymous did that uh, he is in the process of recording that song. No shit. And getting it into an album. I mean, that's going to be fun. Yeah. He it's said, a great tune. He says people dug it real well, and, and he said, I'm I'm in the process of recording that and getting it on an album. And that, that's what happens, though, man. You get the response, man, and then the, the musicians and the, um, you know, will we'll, we'll respond. Yeah. Because that's what we want. You know, if people are feeling emotion and feeling what we're doing, that's we're doing our job, man, and then we're going to do it even more. Absolutely. You know, it motivates us. It's, yeah. it's a huge motivator. Um, the three and four spot, though, man, has this kind of special spot in my heart. Special. It makes me spot. feel good, like when I fart. Does it tickle in the your early morning? Um, they're both anonymous songs. Yeah. So that's what they have in common, and both of them are featuring me. No. Oh, oh yeah. Woo. Woo. Nick Flint. Nick Flair's in the Whoa. house, y'all. Nick Flair. They're all featuring me, baby, baby. <laughs> um, we what happened is me and Ronnie got together. We were hanging out. We we figured out that we like doing music together. We we kind of known each other for a long time, but we never did tunes together. Yeah. It's kind of a new thing for us in 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time I went to his house, mm-hmm. and I went there with like two full big cans of energy drink, the purple energy drink monster, mm-hmm. and a fifth of Patron. Mm-hmm. And then Ronnie didn't really drink. I think he took a couple shots with me, but dude, I was just hammering Patron and energy drinks. He said drinks. he was hammering vodka. That yeah, night. I knew he was drinking something weird. He wasn't drinking my Patron. I know I was the only one that was hammering them by, the, <laughs> by myself. And I got we got plastered. Yeah. And while we were getting plastered, we recorded a bunch of tracks. Yeah. Like a whole bunch. <laughs> we just went at it for several, several hours, man, until we both were basically just like had headaches and were sick to our stomach and we was either going to go to sleep or eat or something. Now, if you guys continue this project, are you going to change the name of it to Inano Nick? Hey, Anonymous. <laughs> Anonymous. That kind of sounds like a lot of dicks. So I don't know if I want to. We might get fucking made fun of or something on that shit right. if that happens, dude. But uh, number four is Anonymous feature Nick Himes. Miscatonic Lurkings. You'll have to generic rise that for me, bro. <laughs> Number three is Anonymous featuring Nick Himes, Disown. Number two, the Sin City performance of Anonymous. And uh, by the way, that's Miskatonic. Miskatonic, that's what I said. Miskatonic. I said I said that perfect. You did say that perfect. I, man, it was, it was I'm very proud of you. It wasn't no little at all. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> so our dude, man. Yeah. He's uh he's working right now. He goes he goes out and uh works on the barges. Yeah. Um Dan Bowen. Yes, he does. Shout out. Shout out, Dan Bowen. <clears throat> we love you. Dan Bowen, you and I both know you kicked ass this week in views. His fucking video, his Sin City Live performance hit um a few days back and then bada bing bada boom man he was just like it was it was nice yeah you know you see it happen every once in a while you know yeah and uh, he got a lot of attention this past week and Dan Bowen this isn't a spot you haven't been before <laughs> exactly not Act with, like you've been there Dan Bowen not with this song because there is no song yet in eight weeks that's been at number one twice wow. But this performer has been at number one twice. Yes, he has. This is Dan Bowen. His live performance, Sin City Live. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, my friend. And goodbye to you guys out there, man. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We appreciate you guys every week listening, viewing, liking, sharing, repeating. You guys see it. It don't take a hard thing. Just click the button and then go on with your fucking day. Check us out if you want to. Have a good night. Number four.
Welcome to Gravedigger Radio Podcast. Today we're covering werewolves. Werewolves? Yes. Man, I'm not doing a whole podcast episode about werewolves because you were too lazy to get out of bed this morning and shave. I know, I do kind of look like the wolfman every so often. Oh, here we go. For people that don't know, werewolves are people that turn into a, a wolf or a, a beast of sorts. So what they say. And it does kind of permeate 
all the cultures all over the world. You know, that's a good point because most people think about the werewolves movies they've seen, the Stephen King novels, the movies and whatever. They don't realize that, you know, these stories are, are worldwide and not just like Western Europe, you know, culture. When someone turns into a werewolf, you know, they grow sharp teeth and long claws and hair covers their entire body. They're believed to be supernatural creatures with extraordinary abilities, including super sensitive sight, smell and hearing. Furthermore, they're very fast and have incredible healing abilities. But the interesting part, in Scandinavian Peninsula folklore, werewolves were often old women with poisonous coated claws able to paralyze large children and animals. I have not heard of that. Yeah, I know. That was when I was doing the research. I was like, that's kind of cool. You know, venomous or I guess poisonous werewolves. I don't know if it's got claws. Would it be poisonous or venomous? I suppose it depends on like how the poison is injected. I guess guess it's venomous because you're not eating the werewolf. I mean, poison is if you eat it. Venom is if it's right. Right. Venomous snake. Yeah. So I guess they're they're venomous claws. And the puffer fish is poisonous if eaten. Yeah. Prepared correctly. Yeah. So don't go out there eating werewolves. It's unclear exactly when and where the werewolf legend originated. Some scholars believe the werewolf made its debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh, the oldest known Western prose, when Gilgamesh jilted a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate into a wolf. I think I That's a good reason to shoot her down. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think I may have dated this woman at some point. Well, werewolves made another early appearance in Greek mythology with the legend of, I'm going to butcher this, Lycanon, or Lycaon? Now, I have heard of this, yes. Okay. The uh, According to the legend, Lycaon, the son of Pelagius, angered the god Zeus when he served him a meal made from the remains of a sacrificed boy. As punishment, <laughs> the enraged Zeus turned Lycaon and his sons into wolves. I'm kind of siding with Zeus on this one. What the heck? I know, yeah. You know, normally, Zeus is kind of a douchebag in, in yeah, Greek he's, mythology. Yeah, he's a total jerk, but... Then again, somebody's feeding you like baby flesh. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a little irate by that. Welcome to a Greek mythology where Zeus doesn't have <laughs> sex with somebody. <laughs> and my favorite one of them all so far, though, in Norse mythology, you know, near and dear to my heart, when it comes to werewolfism, the Volsanga saga from the 13th century particularly stands apart. This is because werewolf-related stories have a prominent presence in the saga. The most famous werewolf story is the story of the father and son, Sigmund and Sinfolgiti. While wandering in the woods, Sigmund and Sinfolgiti come upon a hut where they find two spellbound wolf pelts. If put on, either will turn a man into a wolf and will possess the power, cunningness, and valor of the wolves. Ooh, remember that later. We should mention that um, we're going to have a follow-up edition to this podcast where we look at actual werewolf cases in history. And that sort of theme may come around again. The pelt can only be taken off every tenth day. So having put on the pelts, Sigmund and Sinvolchity. Let's just call him Sin. I know. I'm, I'm butch- <laughs> I know I'm butchering let's it. Help, let's make it easier on ourselves. I'm probably going to catch hell here for, for butchering that as bad as I have. Oh, don't worry. I have a lot of French to pronounce in the next episode. Well, so with the pelts on, they begin wandering the forest together. Before they split up, they agreed to howl to each other if either of them encounters seven men to fight at a time. Sigmund's son breaches the agreement and kills 11 men at one time. Angered, Sigmund fatally injures his son, but then a raven, the messenger of Odin, brings a healing leaf to place on his son's wound. After the wound is healed, he and his father take off the enchanted wolf pelts as the tenth day arrives. They burn the pelt to ashes and free themselves from the curse of lycanthropy. Okay, hang on. So lycanthropy, right, I know that. That's like the the condition of being a werewolf Mm -hmm. or some other creature. Um, And you mentioned this King Lycanos. 
like Aeon, I think. I don't know if he was a king necessarily, but... But so is that where that comes from? It was the man that he served uh, Zeus. So his name, is that where we get lycanthropy? I guess thrope is, you know, means it's Greek for for man. I think so. But when I was doing my research, I kept coming across these. uh, There was a Phoenician cult that predated the Greeks by about 500 years. Yeah. And they were, I think think that's where the word lycanthropy really comes from. Okay. It's to do with this cult. But I looked everywhere and there really wasn't any information on it other than the fact that it existed. And wolves played a central prominence in their beliefs. Now we're going to head over to Germany. I always love some Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Jeremy must be a messed up place. (laughs) Well, you know, historically, I would say that you're probably not wrong. Again, wait for episode two of this of this theme, because, yeah. In the Grimm's fairy tales, it is not the little red cap that includes werewolfism. Rather, it's another tale. And Little Red Cap was actually the original name for Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. Here's the story. A soldier stated the story happened to his own grandfather. His grandfather went into the woods to cut wood with a friend and a third man. There was something strange about the third man, but the grandfather couldn't tell for sure what it was. Don't ask questions. He's good at chopping wood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's Germany. Who, who the hell knows? <laughs> After they had done their job uh, and had become tired, the third man recommended they take a nap. Accordingly, the three men lay down on the ground and closed their eyes. The grandfather pretended to fall asleep, but actually kept his eyes slightly open. He was keen to find the reason behind the third man's strange behavior. The third man looked to see if the other two men were sleeping. When he was certain they were... He put on or took off a belt and became a wolf. Depends on, I guess there's different variants of the story. Really? Yeah. As to whether he put it on or took it off. Oh, no, I meant the belt thing again. Yeah. Hmm, Okay. Well, but he didn't resemble a natural wolf. He looked rather different. He ran quickly off to a nearby field where he ambushed a pregnant female horse and devoured it completely. The man came back, took on or put off his belt and lay down again in human form near the others. While returning to town, the third man complained about having a stomachache. Well, no shit, dude. You just ate an entire horse. (laughs) And its baby. Like, I wonder if that's where the phrase, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse comes from. I don't know. You know, that he, you know, the Brothers Grimm tells are are pretty old. Yeah, and they're pretty, I mean, permeate culture pretty deeply. As they enter the town, the grandfather whispered into the man's ear, when one devours a whole horse. But before he could finish his sentence, the third man interrupted. Had you said this to me in the forest, you would not be able to say it now. Mm. I think we talked about this a little earlier before we started recording. But here's actually a werewolf story from the 12th century Irish folklore. Oh, hit me up. I love some Irish history. Oh, it's and it's weird. Uh, you had, you had <laughs> and little, the weirder the better. You had a little bit of insight, too, into some of the weirdness that was going on around during the, the Christian conversion of Ireland. Well, we'll see. Lay it on me first. All right. A priest, accompanied by a boy, that's never sketchy, <laughs> was traveling from Ulster to Meath. One night in the woods, a wolf approached the priest. As it came near, it began speaking of God, and this is capital G, Christian God. Mm -hmm. The priest became terrified and couldn't believe what he was seeing and hearing. The trembling priest asked the wolf what kind of creature he was that had the shape of a wolf but the words of a man. The wolf then told the priest that there was only one other creature like him, and it was his wife. They were the native people of Osri, who had been cursed by a saint named Natalith for some ancient sin. The curse compelled two Osri people, a man and a woman, to be chosen at random to take the wolf form and remain in that form every seven years. After that period, two new people would take their place, and the prior would turn to their human forms again. The wolf then told the priest that his wife was very sick and dying. He was there to seek the priest's help in his wife's absolution. After all, they were just normal human beings under the wolf's skin. Baffled and terrified, the priest reluctantly followed the wolf. When they came near the alien wolf, it thanked the priest for agreeing to administer the Vicadium. 
which I couldn't find any information on what that was. I don't know if that maybe was a kind of a Christian thing or... Um, got me. But sensing hesitation in the priest, and to assure him he wouldn't commit blasphemy by giving the dying wolf Viticum, the male wolf peeled the skin off his alien compa- companion from the head down to the belly with his claws. Seeing a weak old woman underneath the hanging wolf skin, the priest gave her the Vicatium. After concluding the Viticum, the male wolf rolled the wolf skin back over his wife's body. The old woman returned to her wolf form. And what is unique about this story is that it was documented as an instance rather than a mere myth. It was indexed in the Topographia Hibernica, a treatise on Irish geography and folklore. The treaty was written by... Gerald of Wales. Yeah, yes. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I was trying to read the actual spelling of it, and I was like, this yeah. is going to be a shit show. And that was towards the end of the 12th century, around 1188. So, Jason, what do you think about, about that story? I mean, that's kind of... Kind of a shake them up in a little bit from the, the typical yeah. werewolf stuff. Um, that's later, you know, that's well into like the, the late 12th century. Uh, the Christian conversion of Ireland took place uh, very early on, kind of right after the fall of Rome. But um, as the Christian missionaries kind of made their way into the country, of course, they encountered all the pagan traditions. You know, being a foreigner in a strange land, they didn't want to totally like poo-poo thousands of years of culture. So they were very open to like rolling over some of those old mythological tales and kind of putting a Christian veneer over top of them. You know, I'm not saying they were being entirely heretical or anything, but they were just kind of like blending the two cultures together. And the reason we have so much of this, of these ancient Irish stories and their whole mythological cycles and their epic tales is because the Christian monks would copy them down. And then that that seems a little antithetical, but remember these are Irish Christian converts who are remembering their own Stories they were told as, as kids and stuff. And and they wanted to preserve that, you know, for posterity's sake. And even though it was these pagan tales, the Christians were recording them. And they would kind of like update them to be more in line with, with Christian thinking. But I mean, the lines were very blurred. Mm-hmm. So like a story like this, including animals. And there's even a story about St. Patrick himself who transformed himself and all of his followers into a flock of deer to sneak past a hostile chieftain's territory. And, you know, Christians don't go around transforming themselves in the deers, but Druids do. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is shape-shifting and is a very big thing in kind of Druidic circles. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And taking on the aspects of that. It's really, it's Druids, shamans, really any kind yeah. of religion or belief system that has close ties to the land. There right. is something to be said about taking animistic on, systems. Yeah. Yeah. Taking on the aspects of the wolf, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't a physical change, mm-hmm. there's, you know, the ideas of taking on the cunning of the wolf. And right. there's a lot of symbolism. In That's all times. over the world. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, before we had truly domesticated dogs, we domesticated the wolf. Yeah. And that was, you know, a companion animal to a degree. And we did venerate a lot of the traits of the wolf, you know, it's pack. Mm. But we still also feared the wild ones because they would, Rip your throat out. Yeah. <laughs> and eat your, eat your livestock. That, that's, I think that's the thing that I like about the wolves is that they're not, even when they do stuff like that, the wild ones, they're not malicious. They're just doing it to survive and they, mm-hmm. they, you know, do what they have to do. I know we've talked about some big instances of werewolves, but these are not the only ones that are, are known in history, known around the world. Not at all. Because France has the, and once again, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation on this too, the Rougarou, or yeah, I think that's close to how it's said. And it pretty much mimics the Germanic Rougarou. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I know the French for a werewolf is um, Loup Garou. 
And maybe that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. And, you know, it's kind of got bastardized. It became vernacularized over time or something. The Rougarou. The lu- yeah, Loop Guru. I like that a little better. That I mean, and that, that makes lupus, sense. Too. Lupa, you know. Yeah. And Guru is man. Well, and too, you know, the uh, the Roman myth about the... By the uh, founding Rom- of Rome. Yeah, Rom- <laughs> Romulus. So in Rome, or Roman mythology, I guess, the uh, Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, mm-hmm. were supposed to have been essentially raised, you know, these were feral kids raised by wolves and... Yeah. And they were, you know, supposedly like suckled at the teat. Yeah. Of a a gigantic she wolf Mm -hmm. and everything. And I mean, you know, Norse mythology has all kinds of wolves. I mean, Fenrir and another one. And this this really, I guess, is not so much a werewolf tale, but it is Mm -hmm. kind of werewolf adjacent is the skinwalkers. Right. In Native American mythology. Right. And we're talking about animistic religions and spirits and all that. And I th- I think I want to really, really widen up this whole topic about werewolves anyway. So by all means, proceed. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll do a whole episode on skinwalkers because they're okay. awesome. And, you know, Skinwalker Ranch and all that, that'll be its own separate episode down the line mm-hmm. for all these tales about werewolves. You may be wondering, how does someone become a werewolf? Various methods for becoming a werewolf have been reported. One of the simplest being removal of clothing and putting on a belt made of wolf skin. Probably a substitute for the assumption of an entire animal, which is frequently described. In other cases, the body is rubbed with a magic salve. And this one I thought was really interesting. Was drinking rainwater out of the footprint of an animal in question. I have heard that one. Uh, so that you can have and change into its form mm-hmm. by drinking the rainwater out of it. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. Well, the movies all tell me that you get that way by being like bitten or scratched by a werewolf and surviving. Mm-hmm. And then bang, you're the next werewolf. Yeah. Full moon and all that, right? Which, yeah, I mean, that was that was interesting. I think that's that's more of a movie thing because it must be because I couldn't find that. No, nowhere in the mythology did I read anything about uh, being attacked by a werewolf and becoming one. Yeah. And what's really interesting, though, is the actual first depiction of werewolves in film was in 1935, uh, Werewolf of London. And it was actually about a scientist who turned into a werewolf, but most of his human features remained. Mm. But he did that through, you know, scientific experimentation and stuff. And it well, didn't. Have you seen the greatest werewolf movie of all time? What is the greatest werewolf movie of all time? Again, I don't know why London keeps coming up, but an American werewolf in London. I I know. Oh, God, I'm going to I'm about to lose all horror credentials that I have. I have <sighs> not seen it. Especially if you're a special effects buff, because this was like mid 80s mm-hmm. and the special effects hold up today. I watched it. Probably six months ago. I'm going to have to watch this now. It's it's excellent. The transformation scene is just excellent. You know, we've got rainwater. We've got putting on pelts, putting on belts. But in the 16th century, Swedish writer Alos Magnus says that the Livonian werewolves were initiated by draining a cup of specially prepared beer and repeating a set formula. His uh, his Songs of the Russian People gives the form of an incarnation still still familiar in Russia. In Italy, France, and Germany, it was said that a man or woman could turn into a werewolf if he or she, on a certain Wednesday or Friday, slept outside on a summer night with the full moon shining directly on his or her face. What's interesting to me, well, I could though, just have my accident. You'd be driving home one night. Yeah. Well, I guess, if, you know, you got to sleep outside during it. Yeah, camping or something. But, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, too, the prominence that the full moon plays into the werewolf mythology. Yeah, do you know where that got started? Well, I couldn't find much about that either. There is a legitimate psychological condition called lunacy. That I do know. Yeah, but how that and became part of the werewolf myth, I'm not sure. I work in healthcare, mm-hmm. and there, and you talk to anybody that works in healthcare, law enforcement, uh, any kind of emergency stuff or in mm-hmm. medicine, that when there's a full moon out, 
the shit is going to hit the fan. And <laughs> and I know it sounds like crazy superstition. No, I've heard that from other first responders and healthcare professionals. Yeah. yeah but whenever there's a full moon, people lose their absolute shit. Mm. And I don't know why. And it's and it, it there's really no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, oh, shit, it's a full moon. We're yeah. going to be busy all night tonight. Yeah. But, you, you know, you look throughout history, there's been all kinds of documented maladies that were based around lunar cycles and based on the full moon and everything. Could it be as simple as visibility? I'm almost wondering if that may. Uh, that that to sounds do with- like too simple, but you know, well, you can see better during a full moon. So you can be out at night <laughs> getting into hijinks. Right. And this, and this is purely speculation on my part. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the effect the moon has on the tides. Right. Based on how it's based on its gravitational pull and everything. Right. To at some degree, you're feeling that as well. And you'd have to be. You are, I mean, yes. if it's moving in the ocean, you would have to be feeling it. And I'm almost wondering if there's something with that. I mean, keep in mind, this is no research on my part behind this. I'm yeah. just, just spitballing ideas. But I could totally see that being the case. Back to how you become a werewolf. In other cases, the transformation was supposedly accomplished by satanic allegiance. Yes. the most loathsome ends. When I was looking into the historical accounts, the big guy himself, the big guy downstairs, um, kept popping up. The reason they would enter these satanic allegiances and deals was to sate a craving for human flesh. The werewolves, which quotation writes Richard Verstegon, Restitution of Decayed Intelligence, 1628, are certain sorcerers who have anointed their bodies with an ointment, going back to the magic salve, which make them instinct of the devil, and put it on a certain girdle, does only one unto the view of others seem as a wolf. But to their own thinking, they have both the shape and nature of wolves, so long as they wear the girdle, and they do dispose themselves as very wolves, in worrying and killing the most humane creatures. (laughs) Reading that, I'm like, so basically, to me, it says they put on this girdle, right? And they believe that they're a wolf, and they believe that other people see them as a wolf. <laughs> so I just picture these people, you know, they they've rubbed themselves down in KY in their magic KY jelly, yeah, and they've strapped on their girdle, yeah, and they're running around outside. I'm a wolf. I'm a wolf. I'm a wolf. I'm a yeah. wolf. I'm a wolf. And everybody's like, "The fuck's going on with that guy? Like, <laughs> like what's his problem?" And they're you know running around and everything. It's either what it's either a disease or it's some magical process by which one can become a werewolf. You've got the affliction, the disease, or the curse. I've often seen curse, or you've got some magical device like a girdle or an anointment that you squirt on when you want to wolf out. Well, and what was really interesting to me, for as much as the curse of the werewolf mm-hmm. is very popular and tv and and different types of media really the only place that i saw it being a curse was in the greek mythology everywhere zeus thing yeah yeah every i mean i guess to a degree the norse mythology putting on the belt is kind of a curse but they knew what was going to happen They did it wittingly though and they did it willingly and it to me when i hear curse i think of curse as a punishment Mm -hmm. for for those two they knew what was going to happen and they, they went ahead and put them on. Yeah, and let's was, try this out. Sounds cool. Yeah. And they were kind of, wait, um, that's not so great after all. I'll be honest with you. If I could throw on some wolf skin and be a werewolf. I probably would. <laughs> I would, I'd probably be down for that entirely. How does one cure becoming a werewolf? Various methods have existed for moving the werewolf form. Silver bullet, right? That's what the movies tell you. We're going to get to the origin of the silver bullet before this episode's over. The ancient Greeks and Romans believed in the power of exhaustion and curing people of lycanthropy. The victim would be subjected to long periods of physical activity in hope of being purged of the malady, which is interesting because, you know, malady, they're almost treating it more like a disease right. less than a magical thing. But I guess that maybe it time, could be a mental malady. I don't know. I guess at that time, 
disease and magic kind of went hand in hand. The practice stemmed from the fact that many alleged werewolves would be left feeling weak and debilitated after committing depredations. Mm -hmm. In medieval Europe, traditionally there are three methods one can use to cure a victim of lycanthropy. Medicinally, usually via the use of wolfbane, surgically, or by exorcism. Surgically? Yeah, I, I know. I'm kind of curious as how you... What were they removing? <laughs> I, God, I don't really want to know. <laughs> However, many of the cures advocated by medieval medical practitioners prove fatal to the patient. No shit. Yeah. A Sicilian belief of Arabic origin holds that a werewolf can be cured of its ailment by striking on the forehead or scalp with a knife. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I hear a lot of stuff that way. I was going to say, I was like, if you're dead, I guess you're not a werewolf anymore. Another belief in the same culture involves piercing the werewolf's hands with nails. Sometimes less extreme methods were used. In the German lowland, a werewolf could be cured if one simply addressed it three times by its Christian name. Hmm. While one Danish belief holds that merely scolding a werewolf will cure it. <laughs> I picture they're going to like roll up some newspaper and just like start swatting the werewolf on the nose. Or have like a little spray bottle. like. Pss, pss, pss. Well, you know, anytime I misbehave as a kid, my old Appalachian witchy grandmother would just hit me with the Bible. Did it Did it fix your shit? Kind of, yeah. Oh, okay, well, good enough. You know, going back to being hit with a Bible. It was also believed that conversion to Christianity was also a common way to remove lycanthropy. No, I meant she would literally hit me with the Bible, not just like read verses. She'd be like, whack. Well, I mean, if she's going to hit you with it, I mean, technically, has she not converted you? I mean, I'm I'm not a Christian. I don't know how conversion works. <laughs> I picture you just go out and hit somebody with the Bible. And There's a lot of methods. Until it takes, like Christianity <laughs> through osmosis. Yeah. You know, just keep hitting them with it till they, she they believe. Go you come to think of it, she used to feed me dog biscuits, too. I think that's just called child abuse, man. That's Yeah, and I didn't like them. I was like, no. Can I, mean, I, have, can I at least have the green one? Yeah, no, that's... Like, that's, you know, those little Purina shaped like a bone. Oh, like the one that's supposed to be for, like, the teeth and everything? Yeah. Well, how... Did you have to go to the dentist a lot? Yeah, actually. Oh, shit. I've I got was, very jagged teeth, so it's, like, hard to keep, like, keep them clean. Maybe you are a werewolf, then. I yeah. wanted to be one as a kid, for real. Oh, dude, tell us tell us about that, please. No, I just mean, I thought that was really cool to, like, wolf out and run wild, you know, through the fields at night. If I could do that instead of my normal boring human shit, I think I totally would. It's better than payroll spreadsheets. Oh, no shit. So we were talking about the silver bullets and that actually, I've got two theory. I've, well, I've got one fact on it and then one theory on it. Okay. So the first part of it is that actually originates from a brother, another brother's grim tale okay. of a wolf that could not be killed by normal means, could mm -hmm. not be harmed by any bullets. So they shoot silver buttons at it through a gun. They basically have a gun that'll shoot them off somebody's coat. Yeah. Hmm. A silver button. And they, they shot it with the, shot it with a gun and it killed the wolf. The other theory that I have on it is that silver is actually used very heavily as like an antibacterial. Yeah. Present day medicine. So yeah. Silver, huh. silver oxide. I mean, you think about silvidine cream, it's oh. got silver in it to prevent infection. You know, a lot of these things, they were looking at werewolves as being a disease. Mm -hmm. And at that time, if they knew that silver could cure it, because I, mean, I don't know exactly how far that dates back. I mean, right. we've got evidence of ancient Egyptians performing yeah. Uh, so if it works for that, hey, who knows? Maybe it'll right. Maybe we can, <laughs> can cure the werewolf with okay. it. But yeah, no, that's the, I'm jiving. That, I mean, it kind of makes sense. And like I said, this is, you know, most of the things I say are are purely bullshit conjecture and, and just ideas with it that it's kind of kicked up in my head and shower thoughts. But <laughs> that's kind of an idea. Welcome to Zach's shower time. <laughs> that's going to be our new podcast. <laughs> shower thoughts. Just a stream of consciousness into a microphone. All right, Jason. So what do you think about our, our dive into the werewolves? Well, it's very interesting. Um, I don't think I realized, honestly, before, like how widespread the werewolf myth is. Um, I think it has a lot of different applications. 
um, anything that was kind of unexplainable, um, maybe even like psychopathic activity. It's like, well, the guy's clearly a werewolf because, you know, we do that as, as humans when you can't wrap your mind around these atrocious acts that someone might commit. You kind of come up with creative ways to describing it and speaking about it, like that they actually had not only just some kind of psychotic break, but some kind of supernatural experience or something that gave them the power to do things that you and I, good regular Joes, could never, you know, conceive of. Yeah. And I would honestly, I would like to dig a little more into this. I mean, I know we try to keep mm-hmm. our episodes around 30 minutes, but there's actually a lot of information that we didn't even touch on in this episode. Um, again, a spoiler alert, but looking forward to the follow up episode to this one. Um, we're talk- going to be talking about a lot of um, historical serial killers. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, guys, hope you enjoyed our, our I would say deep dive, but there's just so much information that we didn't get to. So yeah, I just hope- glanced the surface. Yeah, really. So I hope you enjoyed our tale of the werewolf here on Gravedigger Radio. Join us next weekend for Tales of Murder. And guys, if you liked what you heard today and you want to help us keep doing it, I mean, this is a grassroots podcast where we're literally Gravedigger Radio Studio is actually just in a basement. And, you know, we've done all this ourselves. So if you want to help us out and keep doing this, head over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Gravedigger Radio. Have you ever heard of a podcast? People listen to them. They subscribe to them. They love them. As a business, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? You can when you hire the pros at Skullface Records Radio. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical people and a killer podcast to spread the word about your business. Getting old biz into new media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with the help of Skullface Records Radio. Get a free estimate by emailing skullfaceradio at gmail.com or call 8 859-588-6456 today. Some creepy guy is stalking you in the parking garage at 3 a.m., but you're not worried because you have a bright for war industries knife strapped to your belt. Don't be a victim in this crazy world. Protect yourself. Carry a knife made by Bright for War Industries. It may save your life. Hi, this is Josh for Bright for War Industries. I'm a professional knife maker with 15 years experience. If you're looking for a unique gift or a high-performance piece of cutlery for the kitchen, the field, or for personal protection, look no further. Look for me on Instagram at Bright for War. Need some t-shirts? Want some merch for your band? Stickers? Whatever you need. Let Special Tees hook you up. T-shirts, car decals, and more. Fast, friendly service with a smile. It's just under their mask. Special Tees is now the exclusive provider for Skullface Records Radio t-shirts. Call Brittany the Best at 859-588-2165. 859-588-2165. Shipping is available for an extra cost. Special Tees of Cynthia. Would you like to donate money to our cause? Shit ain't free, man! This stuff takes money. Every little bit helps. We can do a commercial for your business. You can make you money, and then we can make money. Want to sponsor a segment or one of our shows? Want to get famous, man? Want to sponsor a show? Multiple mentions, all kinds of publicity. Email us, skullfaceradio at gmail.com. Don't forget the social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash skullfaceradio. Records Radio. This is Goosey from Goosey's Goodies. Are you looking for some goodies for your next party or event? 
Be sure to find me on Facebook so I can make you some custom baked goods. You can bet your sweet when I'm in the kitchen baking, I'm listening to Skullface Records Radio. Mention Skullface Records when placing your order and receive special discounts. Find Goosey's Goodies on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Goosey's Goodies 1. Don't forget the apostrophe. There is no apostrophe. Your short name is Goosey's Goodies 1. <laughs> Live out your dream to be a superstar under the lights. Always the best crowd and crew in Lexington. Survivor's Karaoke Bar, 161 East Reynolds Road. Remember to tip your bartenders. You'll find Mama Nancy, Will, and the captain behind the bar always serving up the best drink. We got Brian, Bobby G, and DJ Hi-Fi in the booth just ripping it in karaoke. Survivors. 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 The best in karaoke in Lexington. Karaoke starts at 9 o'clock. Mention Skullface Records on Friday nights for drink specials. Survivors. 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 Survivors is on a mission to have the best and safest karaoke bar in Lexington. We ask all our patrons to practice social distancing and please wear your mask. Temperature taken upon entry. Survivors. 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 161 East Reynolds Road, Lexington, Kentucky.